Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us as we began a brand new series this weekend. We're calling it At the Movies, and uh, we're going to visit some of our favorite movies and see if God uh, won't speak to us uh, through them. And you may be wondering, uh, why in the world would we take movies to speak for God? Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, you could ask this question, does God speak to us through movies? And uh, maybe a better question would be, uh, does God bring truth into our lives through stories? And uh, the answer to that would be a resounding yes. In fact, uh, many of Jesus' teachings came in the form of parables or stories. Uh, many of the prophets throughout the Bible uh, were given grand visions and imagery in order to communicate exceptional truths to people. I, I think one of my favorite use of stories is uh, when the prophet Nathan uh, discovers that King David uh, had uh, committed a crazy sin of adultery with Bathsheba, uh, set her husband up to be murdered, and uh, when uh, Nathan came uh, to correct David from his heir, you know, he could have just said, David, you really blew it. But instead, he told a story, told a story of a scoundrel who owned thousands and thousands of sheep, came across a guy who had one sheep, decided uh, he wanted it, so he took it. And uh, as David heard this story, he said, that scoundrel deserves to die. And Nathan pointed his prophetic finger at him and said, you are the scoundrel. And uh, David heard what God was wanting to say to him, and it came through a story. And so uh, we're going to incline our hearts in the same way, invite God to speak to us through some of our favorite movies. And this morning, uh, we're going to take an epic movie. Uh, you maybe have seen uh, one or all of the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. Maybe you've read the books as well, but uh, an epic story. It really is a long, uh, long story, a tale narrating the deeds and adventures of some heroic figures. And uh, as we mentioned uh, that genre of movie, uh, I want to ask you this question. Uh, are we living an epic story? Are people like you and I living a, uh, an adventure of heroic or legendary proportions? Well, uh, I would say this, the perspective of the Bible is pretty epic. In fact, uh, if you look at the opening pages of the Bible, humans are created in the image of the invisible and eternal God. They're given dominion in the earth. Uh, they're commissioned to be fruitful and multiply. And uh, as the story of humanity unfolds, uh, Humans are called to be accountable, to be stewards of this incredible uh, virtue and promise that's uh, invested in their lives and that someday they'll have a personal audience before the Creator who will call them to account for what they did with their lives. That's a pretty epic story. Uh, but, you know, the truth is, as people become followers of Jesus Christ, their stories become even more epic. Listen to some of what the New Testament says uh, to those who've set their lives to follow Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul writes, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's a fairly epic statement. Uh, how about this one uh, from the letter to the Ephesians chapter 6? 
Again, the Apostle Paul writes, look, folks, our struggle is not against people, against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I would say that qualifies as epic, as an epic and legendary story that we find ourselves in. And then finally, uh, this from Paul's writing to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 19 through 22, uh, Paul says, look, all of creation is waiting in eager exp expectation for the children of God to be revealed as they really are. And for this reason, so that it, creation itself, can be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into this freedom and this glory of the children of God. That is really epic. That's going big. And that's saying that all of creation, and all that includes, is uh, looking and waiting uh, for those of us who follow Jesus to come in uh, to our inheritance and our calling and the liberation that God has started in us. Well, those are indeed epic thoughts. We are living in an epic, a grand adventure. And uh, here's my contention as we look at this movie, The Lord of the Rings, is that uh, we live better when we realize we're a part of something big. And the, the opposite is also true. Uh, we don't live quite as well when we're myopic, when our vision is limited, and we don't realize the importance of the story that we're a part of and the role that we play. And uh, yeah, so this, uh, this story, The Lord of the Rings, if you're not familiar with it, uh, just a very brief overview. It's really all about uh, the fashioning of these rings that empower people uh, to do good or to do evil. And we're told at the onset of the story that uh, the rings were fashioned, three were giving, given to the leaders of the elves, seven were giving, given to the dwarf lords, nine were given to the kings of men, and this comment made, who desire power above all things. And, uh, but all of them, we're told, were, were somewhat deceived. Uh, because there was uh, another ring, one single ring that was formed by the dark lord Sauron. And uh, he poured all of his malice, all of his evil, all of his intentions into that ring. And uh, then we have these uh, kind of foreboding words that were etched on the inside of the ring. Here's what it said. Uh, one ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. And so the intention of this dark Lord Sauron was to rule uh, all those who inhabited Middle Earth. And, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of a, an ominous uh, way to begin a story. And uh, you don't have to read far in the Bible to find out there is an evil personality. And we don't talk a lot about him here, but uh, Jesus certainly made him clear he said that, that the devil comes with one intention, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so, in a sense, this dark Lord Sauron pours all of his evil into this ring. That becomes kind of the, the central object uh, in this epic story. Well, uh, after lying dormant for thousands of years, uh, Sauron actually has his finger lopped off in a battle, or one of his emissaries, and uh, the ring falls uh, into the into the uh, creek there, and there it lies dormant for a couple thousand years, and uh, it it's eventually discovered by this guy, 
His name is Smeagol. Well, actually, his cousin discovered it, and uh, Smeagol was so drawn to it that he strangled his cousin so he could possess the ring. But what he didn't know, the, the ring ends up possessing him. And after 400 years of owning this ring, uh, living in the caves, uh, Smeagol morphs into this guy who becomes known as Gollum. And uh, you really find that the, his appetite for the ring has destroyed him, has bound him up. Uh, buyer beware, uh, overuse, overattachment can be hazardous to your health. Well, Gollum uh, loses the ring uh, in the caves, and along comes this hobbit named Bilbo Baggins. He finds the ring, and, uh, you know, he has a different response to it. Uh, though he's drawn and lured to its beauty and its power, he isn't quite as possessed by it as uh, Gollum was, and uh, he ends up being the keeper of the ring for about 60 years. And uh, as the adventure unfolds, it becomes apparent that he needs to pass the ring on to someone younger. And uh, he passes it on uh, to his nephew, Frodo Baggins. And uh, if you know the storyline at all, Frodo's kind of the central figure in this Lord of the Rings epic adventure. Uh, and so uh, in the first movie, first book, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, we're told that Sauron, after 2,500 years, is on the move again. Uh, though uh, he doesn't have a body, uh, he has a personality, and his influence begins to spread throughout Middle-earth. He wants the ring back, and uh, he's on the move, and uh, they found out through uh, torturing Gollum that uh, the ring ended up with a guy named Baggins in the Shire, and uh, so uh, he sets out to uh, retrieve the ring. Uh, in this next scene, uh, we're informed that the ring needs to leave the Shire. <laughs> it needs to go somewhere else besides this humble gathering of hobbits. And so Gandalf, uh, in this scene, uh, meets with Frodo. He informs him that the ring uh, cannot stay in the Shire, and thus begins the adventure of Frodo Baggins. Uh, he leaves the Shire. Along the way, he's joined by these guys, uh, three of his tight friends. They are Sam, Mary, and Pippin. Uh, but uh, as they're uh, getting away from the Shire, they're pursued by these guys. Uh, they're known as the Nazgul, the Ring Race, and the Black Riders. Uh, uh, once, these guys were kings of men, uh, but they became uh, twisted, bent uh, through their desire for power. They ended up becoming emissaries of Sauron, and uh, they're on the prowl. They're looking for the ring. Uh, fortunately, the hobbits are also being pursued by this guy. His name's Aragorn. He's heir to the throne of Gondor, but he's living in self-imposed exile uh, due to the shame that one of his ancestors uh, failed to destroy the ring when he had the opportunity. So Aragorn's uh, also uh, part of the adventure, pursuing the ring and the hobbits. Uh, they're also being uh, chased, pursued by this lady. Her name's Arwen. She's the daughter of Elrond, Lord of Rivendale, the home of the elves, and she herself is an elf. And also, she's also in love with, you guessed it, Aragorn. And so uh, they also are part of this epic journey. Well, uh, when Frodo uh, suffers what should be a mortal wound in an encounter with the ring race, the dark riders, um, he has to get uh, somewhere where he can be healed of his potentially mortal wound. Well, in this scene, uh, 
we're, we're told that Arwen uh, decides uh, she's the fastest rider. And so she will try to take Frodo uh, to Rivendell where he can potentially be healed. Well, along the way, of course, uh, Arlen, Arwen is pursued by the Dark Riders. And I uh, love this one scene in the movie. She leads them into a river and uh, there uh, they are greeted by the water horses, which uh, Arwen summons uh, through her elf magic, and uh, they are consumed uh, by the uh, white horses, the river horses. Well, uh, Frodo makes it to Rivendale along with Arwen. He heals up, and uh, in this next great scene, uh, we have really an epic turn uh, in this adventure. And uh, we're going to call it the Fellowship of the Ring is formed. It's, it's where the, the, the full troop that is going to be on this quest to destroy the ring and break its power and its hold over Middle-earth. Well, uh, there's a great argument about who should uh, be the one to destroy this ring and whether or not it should be destroyed at all. In fact, some think that maybe it could be used for good. Uh, finally, uh, Frodo steps forward. He says, I'll do it. Uh, I'll return uh, the ring to where it was formed uh, in the fires of Mount Doom. And uh, he grabs the ring. And uh, quickly, uh, he is joined by those who pledge their allegiance to him. And the fellowship of the ring is formed. Now, here's a really big idea uh, in this whole Hobbit series, The Lord of the Rings, uh, each of the books, is uh, the significance of joining together on a quest. You know, uh, it's hard to overstate how significant this idea is in uh, Tolkien's books uh, that the, uh, the greatest things in life uh, can never be achieved on our own. We really do need one another, and that, that's particularly true uh, in our journey of faith. Uh, listen to the words of uh, one of today's uh, most respected New Testament theologians. His name was N.T. Wright. Here, here's what he wrote about the importance of fellowship or partnership uh, in our faith journey. He says, The church, united through the grace of God in the death of Jesus, is the sign. You remember we're fighting these rulers and principalities in the, in the heavenly realms. Uh, the uh, the church united through the grace of God and the death of Jesus is the sign, it's the indicator to the principalities and powers that their time is up. That's a profound statement that this uh, unified people that have nothing in common but the death and resurrection of Jesus and their allegiance to him is what is going to spell the doom of the dark powers uh, that we're fighting against. Uh, here is the way Paul would speak to that same reality, the importance of our relationships with one another. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you receive. Be completely humble, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep this unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so uh, as we think of our lives as an epic story, that the, the way we fulfill our role matters. Uh, really, lives are hanging in the balance. The quality of our life is hanging in the balance with how we live in 
uh, to these epic journeys that uh, we are called to. And uh, we really can't overstate, we need to do it together. Uh, we need to be joined uh, in those partnerships. And uh, this reality becomes more and more apparent as we go through Frodo's adventure. Well, uh, the journey uh, takes them uh, to, the, uh, to Mordor, to the Tower of Doom, to destroy the ring. That journey begins. It takes them to the heights of the mountains, uh, Caradhras Pass. There they survive a, a dark wizard-induced avalanche. They descend into the mines of Moriah, uh, where uh, the dwarf learns that his, his entire civilization has been wiped out. And uh, there they encounter guys like this. Uh, and uh, there's a, a fight that ensues to try to make their way out of these mines. And uh, the last one, uh, uh, Gandalf, fights this uh, creature that has come up from the abyss. And uh, he, in this uh, grand scene, he, he plummets to his apparent death. And uh, here's the truth that emerges uh, in this first part of their journey uh, to destroy the ring is uh, your normal epic life is filled with trials and tribulations. You know that. You don't have to live long in this world uh, to know that uh, our normal epic lives uh, have more than their share of difficulties and tribulations. In fact, uh, I would say it like this. Most of us will face challenges we never imagined and uh, they must be endured. That's one of the messages that rings out of this great uh, trilogy uh, of stories, the, the Lord of the Rings, is that we will face challenges we never could have imagined, and they must be endured. Uh, you know, that's uh, more than a, a fantasy story. That's a biblical truth. Uh, listen to what uh, the writer of the book of Acts says to a, a bunch of Christ followers. He said, look, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And, you know, that's a truth that's so much more significant than if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Uh, what Paul is saying here is uh, we've got to go through difficult things to open us up uh, to the reality uh, of God working in us. It's almost as if those difficulties, uh, rather than seeing them as annoyances, they're birth pangs. They're bringing more of the life of God into us and into our experience. And uh, so we steal ourselves. We set our, our, our hearts uh, to follow Christ, to accomplish his will in spite of and even in the midst of the difficult things that we never could have anticipated. Well, uh, uh, Frodo's beginning to realize he may have bit off more than he can chew. Uh, this adventure is much more difficult than what he imagined. There's a great scene uh, where they encounter uh, a woman known as the Lady of the Wood. Uh, her name is uh, Galadriel, and uh, she's uh, one of the most powerful of the elf uh, queens. And uh, in this scene where Frodo uh, has this interaction with her, uh, she reveals the significance of his task, uh, that uh, his people in the Middle Earth worlds are hanging in the balance of him accomplishing what he set out to do in destroying this ring. And uh, there's an interesting thing that takes place. At one point, Frodo offers her the ring. And as uh, she goes from this beautiful uh, elf queen to this, uh, and as she thinks about how powerful she could become if she took possession 
of this ring. And you think, well, that's weird. You know, how is something like that a part of our story? And I immediately think of the temptation of Jesus. You know, that's a wild scene. Uh, he, he's led out into the desert. And there, uh, the devil, this evil ruler of dark places, uh, comes to Jesus. And we're told that he tempted him many ways, told him to use his, his power and ability to serve himself. He said, turn these stones into rocks. He, uh, he said that he'll give him the kingdoms of the world if Jesus would uh, just bow down and worship him. And so you can only imagine uh, what was really going on in that interaction, but it, it highlights this truth, that temptation, resisting evil, and overcoming temptation is a part of our normal epic lives. And if we're going to live out uh, the, the adventure that God has called each one of us to, we get to learn uh, how to resist and how to overcome temptation. I love this, uh, this writing from James, the brother of Jesus. It's known as the wisdom literature of the New Testament. Here's what James writes. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so this temptation that we're all called to resist and rise above begins in our own hearts. Uh, listen to this. Uh, passage from Genesis, uh, very early on in the story of the Bible. The Lord said to Cain, uh, Cain, why are you angry? Uh, why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Things will go well. But if you do not do what is right, uh, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And so uh, temptation Resisting evil is a part of our normal, epic lives. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, you ought to pray like this. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, uh, uh, Frodo uh, kind of takes those words to heart. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the fellowship, one of the members of the fellowship of the ring, a guy named Boromir, uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't resist and overcome his temptation. He thinks that if he can take the ring from Frodo and possess it, he can uh, use it for good. Uh, his uh, attempts to steal the ring ends up putting them all in a compromised situation. In fact, uh, Boromir ends up, uh, it, takes, it leads to his own uh, death. Uh, fortunately, thankfully, uh, he has in the story uh, what you would call a deathbed conversion. Uh, he recognizes that Aragorn uh, is indeed the king, and he would have given him his total allegiance. Well, uh, Frodo, uh, mindful of the significance of his task, of the need to overcome and resist temptation, and now he's thinking about how this evil is begun to spread throughout the fellowship. Uh, this unity is being broken, and now there's contention and uh, attempts to uh, uh, launch out uh, on their own will within the fellowship. And so uh, Frodo uh, decides he's got to do it alone. He must go alone on this quest. And uh, in this scene, uh, Frodo begins to ponder 
the words that the lady of the woods spoke to him about the nature of his task. And uh, he reflects on these significant words she spoke to him. She says, uh, Frodo, you are a ring bearer, Frodo. Uh, to bear a ring of power is to be alone. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. Uh, you know, talk about being between a rock and a hard place. Uh, she basically uh, put the onus on Frodo. If you don't find a way, no one will. Uh, his response, he says, I know what I must do. It's just I'm afraid to do it. Uh, to which the lady of the wood responds, uh, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. You know, those are impacting words. And uh, I think what, uh, what Tolkien is bringing out in this part of his epic adventure uh, is this sense that, uh, you know, though we are called to participate with others in our greatest quests in life, there's a time when we need to decide Regardless of what others do, I am going to do what's right. I'm going to choose the right path, uh, the right path for those uh, whom I'm responsible for in the things that concern me. You know, I, this is a great idea, this sense of owning uh, your calling, your mission in life, regardless, come what may, uh, what other decisions others make. Uh, I love this uh, at the end of John 21. Jesus is commissioning Peter after his big fail. He had denied the Lord three times as he was about to go to the cross. Jesus reinstates him, secures him in his love for him and Peter's love and allegiance to Jesus. And then we're told that as part of the story, Jesus said, look, you're going to follow me in the way that I went. And in other words, signifying he's going to die as a sacrifice for others. And uh, Peter looks around and he spots John, the beloved disciple. And uh, Peter says, uh, what about him? You know, is he going to have to walk this difficult road too? And I love the answer Jesus gives him. If, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. That's a sobering statement from the mouth of Jesus. What is that to you, the road that others travel? This is your road. And so Frodo, uh, mindful of these truths that if he doesn't do it, no one will. And regardless of what uh, happens with others, he's going to finish his mission. And so in this scene, uh, Frodo steals his will. He decides, you know, if uh, this task of destroying the ring and liberating the people of Middle Earth has fallen on him, He's going to do it, even if he has to do it alone. Uh, he sets out, uh, and as he's uh, pushing offshore, he sees Samwise, his uh, closest friend, following him into the water. If you know the scene, uh, Sam can't swim a lick. And uh, Frodo says, Sam, go back. I'm going alone. And uh, Sam, uh, Frodo says, go back. I'm going alone. And Sam's response is, I know you are, and I'm going with you. He continues to walk into the depth of the river, uh, sinks like a rock, and uh, this point is seen as his eyes close and he, his apparent drowning. You see a hand reach down from the boat and grasp uh, Sam's hand, and Sam grasps back. He pulls him out. They climb in the boat together, and off they go to finish this mission 
together. And uh, another truth begins to emerge front and center at this point uh, in the movie. And the truth is this, that friendship is one of the highest virtues we can walk through this life with. Uh, Friendship, uh, being a good friend to others, uh, having perhaps just one other significant friend that gets us is one of the highest resources and virtues and strengths along the way in our epic journeys. Uh, Here is how the Bible would speak this truth. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Uh, The the bottom falls out. Uh, But there is a friend who's not like that. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, Jesus uh, took this uh, truth upon himself. Uh, He is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, He is the one who who allows us uh, to fulfill our epic journey through this life. In fact, uh, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And so this idea of the importance of friendship uh, begins to carry on through the rest of uh, the fellowship of the ring, uh, the two towers, and the return of the king, really through the end of the story. Uh, Very quickly now, uh, we come to, uh, in the second movie, uh, this epic battle that's taking place as the people of uh, Rohan have fled uh, to the castle in Helm's Deep. Uh, They're trying to uh, protect themselves from annihilation. And uh, the battle, the mother of all battles, breaks out, and uh, everybody is uh, really uh, facing certain doom as this unbeatable army descends upon them. They're scaling the walls, uh, breaking through the the breach in the walls. And uh, in this one, again, a very dramatic scene, uh, Frodo is standing on the edge of, uh, of another battle, and uh, this time uh, one of the dark riders appears not on a horse but on a dragon and uh, comes to seize the ring as he's getting close to uh, Mordor and Sauron. And uh, so Sam uh, notices that Frodo is about to put the ring on his finger to use its power to escape his predicament, and he knows uh, that's a bad choice. That'll just draw Frodo uh, deeper and closer to Sauron, this evil lord. And so Sam runs out, tackles Frodo. They roll to the ground, and uh, as Frodo ends up on top, he draws his sword. He's about to skewer his best friend Sam. Uh, He realizes what he's done. He drops his sword. He utters the words, I I can't do this, Sam. And uh, at this point in the movie, one of the most uh, powerful speeches in the entire trilogy is spoken uh, by Frodo's good friend, Sam. And uh, here's what he says about this difficult predicament they found themselves in. Uh, by rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you don't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? Maybe some of you are at that point In your story, how could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, uh, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A a new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine all the clearer. Uh, Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, 
even if you were too small to understand why. Uh, but I think I know, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now that folks in those difficult stories had lots of chances of turning back, but they didn't. They persevered. They kept going because they were holding on to something to which Frodo asked, what are we holding on to, Sam? That there's some good in the world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Uh, see, here's the truth that emerges from uh, Sam's very heartfelt and significant speech is that the rewards of fighting for what is good and right are beyond measure. They're beyond comprehension. The rewards of doing the right thing when it costs you the most. Uh, it's one of the great truths that emerges from this epic story, and it's true of our normal epic lives as when we choose uh, against all odds, no matter how difficult, whatever the cost to us is, when we choose to do what is right, the rewards are immeasurable. Those are the great stories, the kind that you remember. Uh, here is how Jesus spoke to this reality uh, when his disciples said, Lord, uh, we're giving up a lot to follow you. Here was his response. He said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the good news will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age along with their difficulties and in the age to come, eternal life. That's a truth we can hang on to when things are more difficult than we ever could have imagined, when we're being pressed beyond all of our ability to cope. We have this promise that rings true. If we'll just put one foot in front of the other, do the right thing because of who Jesus is, Jesus said, you'll receive more than you possibly could have given in this life and in the world to come. Well, as the, as the movies conclude, as the epic story comes to an end, uh, we have these scenes of, uh, of uh, Frodo and Sam approaching uh, the Mount Fire, the Mount Doom. Uh, they're going to toss the ring in, destroy it, free Middle Earth, and uh, you end up, uh, Frodo's exasperated. He's given it all. He has nothing left. He's exhausted both from physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, the weight of carrying the ring, the interaction of getting closer to the Dark Lord Sauron in his attempt to destroy this ring. Uh, Sam ends up carrying him up the mountain. And even after all of that, as uh, Sam stands on the edge, uh, he's about to throw this ring into the molten fire and destroy it once and for all. He can't do it. He can't let go of the ring. It's gripped him in some way. And uh, in this poignant last scene, uh, Gollum shows up. Uh, he wants the ring as well. There's this fight on the edge of, uh, of the molten lava. And uh, Gollum ends up going into the abyss. Uh, Frodo grabs the ring. He's hanging by one hand. And uh, very similar to the scene where Frodo reached into the water to save uh, Sam, now Sam reaches into the fire to pull his friend Frodo out. And uh, it, you end up uh, being left with this incredible reality that friendship, love, and loyalty, hear that again, friendship, love, and loyalty 
are the most powerful forces in the universe. And they are the only real answers to evil. I want you to hear those words again. I think it's such a, a powerful message in today's age when we're looking for answers for our very complicated problems and uh, everybody's got a different uh, strategy and a different perspective of what's going to fix people, what's going to fix our world. And uh, the message that rings out of Tolkien's uh, great epic series uh, written really in the darkest days of World War II is that friendship, love, and loyalty are the most powerful forces in the universe and they are the only real answers to evil. And you say, well, is that in the Bible? Does God's truth really teach that? Well, listen to Peter later on in his life as he had endured many difficulties and trials. He says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, above all else, in fact, read that aloud with me, above all else, above everything else that you're about, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, let those words uh, empower you. Uh, let those words focus you. Let those words invigorate you to the epic journey that you're on. Above everything else, love the people in your life deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Well, I, I want to end by kind of summarizing uh, this, the message of this epic series of movies. If you haven't seen them yet, I would encourage you. Uh, it's about nine hours of good movie watching. In fact, you can buy the trilogy on Amazon for 19 bucks. And uh, here is kind of how I would summarize the truths that emerge uh, from this wonderful story. Uh, we are truly living an epic story. Your part matters more than you could ever imagine. Each one of us must endure difficulty, overcome evil, and resist temptation to fulfill our calling. Friendship, sacrifice, love, and loyalty are the most powerful forces in the universe and will ultimately defeat all evil in the world. I'd like to put those comments on the, slide, on the screen for you as I pray for us together. Uh, we truly are living an epic story. Your part matters more than you can imagine, and each of us must endure difficulty, overcome evil, and resist temptation to fulfill our calling. Friendship, sacrifice, love, and loyalty are the most powerful forces in the universe and will ultimately defeat all evil in the world. Uh, Father, thank you for who you are. You're grand and glorious God. You're the creator of the universe. Uh, thank you for sending Jesus, for revealing the truth to us about the epic story we are in. You know, one of the messages that comes out of these books is that it's possible to fall asleep, to lose touch with the significance of our lives, and we begin to shrink wrap and live down to a smaller story. Uh, Lord, would you speak to us? Uh, would you uh, cut through uh, the fog that we sometimes live in and open our eyes to this epic adventure that we're part of. We're not going alone. Jesus went before us. He's the forerunner, the author, and the finisher of our faith. And he, he, he knew the wonderful things that God had planned for people. He also knew the nature of the battle. 
that it's not against flesh and blood. Uh, he had to overcome. He had to resist uh, evil and temptation as we do. Uh, Lord, as we pray, uh, maybe there's some here in this. They're caught in their own web of uh, decisions they've made, uh, habits they've allowed to become a part of your life, uh, things you're stuck in. Uh, you're ready uh, to move away from that and move beyond that. And uh, know this, uh, Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He wants to join you in your epic journey. In fact, he wants to, uh, his love deeply for you can cover a multitude of mistakes and errors. And uh, Lord, thank you for giving us a fresh start. Your word says your mercies are new every day from this day on. Uh, may we live with eyes wide open, with hearts attuned, and uh, live into this epic adventure that you invite us on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.